It's the hero's journey of comics. Is this the adventure you've planned for me? Braving the winding road of geekdom. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. Sharing our advice. He believed that his example could inspire. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy. And exposing our mistakes. This is all going to end badly. Everybody has an agenda. Welcome to the Show Me Comicast. Welcome to the Show Me Comicast after the snap. I'm Tim Pickroll, former digital media producer of Show Me Comics. It's a very cinematic intro, and the <laughs> sentiment is perfect. It still holds up. Like the, This is going to end badly. Everyone has an agenda. It did end badly. <laughs> But, as with everything, seasons turn, 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 turn. As they always do. So, well, guys, it has been a minute since we were at the crossroads and uh, recorded an episode of this. So, that's funny, Sam, and I just, uh, or I was telling Sam that I listened to what I consider to be the last couple episodes of the Show Me Comic Cast. The Crossroads crossroads episode is basically the last, you know, episode. Until now. Uh, Well, yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned that, though, because you were right there with me. Yeah, I went back. um, I think I listened to the first 10 episodes that we did uh, that I remember being a part of, and then I had to go back and listen to the final few episodes because I was not on those, (laughs) just to see where things were at. Um, And it it was interesting to see where we were at that time. What was it, five years ago? Well, it's like a time capsule. Yeah, Yeah. well, four years ago, I think, technically. Almost five, though. But yeah, our last episode was in uh, 2004. Early 15? I think if you want to track it as in actually doing something with the comic, it's probably four years solid. Right. And so now we're going to tell you what we've done with the comic since, but maybe we should pick up with... Who you are in case somebody uh, stumbles on this. uh, I'm Jordan. I'm still the writer for Show Me Comics, and uh, uh, we can touch on the whole writer moniker uh, later in the progression of what happened. Sure. And I'm Sam, the illustrator, artist, graphic designer, and everything visual for Show Me Comics. So when last we left off, Sam left the show because <laughs> he, he didn't um, want to be here. He anymore. didn't want to be here anymore. No. You, okay. So I went back and I listened to those episodes. And uh, the one thing that I wanted to point out for anyone that, that listened to our show and you're, and you're picking up now. As I was listening to those episodes, Jordan is going on about how when bands break up, do you continue on? And I was like, I didn't leave. No, it was. It was <laughs> I just yeah, want to make. I listened to that today, but it was specifically in the context of the, the podcast. Right. It so, had right. something to. Do to with the comic. I They're want to point out that um, where I felt that we were with the podcast at that time was the whole thing was the hero's journey. It was, it was to uh, chronicle our adventures from coming up with an idea of making a comic book and all the steps uh, to get where we were at to publish it, which five years ago we were brand new. And at the time I felt like we had caught up to where our journey was, but more importantly on my end, I was still working on the second book. So keep in mind, Hafu is a two part, story we had finished the first part and that's what that's what the comic cast was about Mm -hmm. 
I was finishing up the second half of the book. And so every single minute of spare time that I had was devoted to finishing that second book. And to me, I was like, I didn't feel like I really had anything to contribute to the podcast anymore. Or let me reframe it in another way. You had your creative outlet. Tim and I maybe at that point in our oh, lives for sure. were using yeah, for sure. the podcast as our creative outlet. So to you, what looked like an obstacle right. legitimately mm-hmm. to us was like, oh, we're we're having fun making this new thing. Mm-hmm. Totally. And so that's totally. what I meant by the, the band breaking up. It's like, well, if this member leaves, we have to rethink, are we still going to do this project? Meaning the podcast. Right. Or are we going to use our creative energies for other things in our lives? So that's actually... Well, one point I wanted to make was the hero's journey metaphor, why I said that intro was kind of perfect, actually. It's like, it is still the hero's journey. In fact, your life... Am I four? Your life is the hero's journey. You can't escape right. that metaphor. Like, no matter what, like, fail, triumph, you know, meet with disaster, whatever you do, um, that's a part of your journey. Right. And so what's interesting is that on a meta level, I guess we met a level away from a podcast, away from a comic book. You and I have had quite the, you meaning Sam and Tim, I'm sure you can chime in with the, what you've done over the last four years. Sure. We've had our own journeys that we've gone through that are dramatic, you know, in their own rights. And they're not even linked, which is strange. Oh, for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, during that five years from when we finished the first book and we stopped doing the podcast to where we are at now, um, we we had more growth on the comic book end, but I think uh, personally where we were at in life and what happened over those five years could be quite significant. Can I frame it this way? So in the hero's journey, there's the naive phase and then there's the what they call the dark night of the soul where you have like some kind of tragic event which when you emerge from that tragic event you emerge more of a hero and it's not to say that you have one of these events you have these events all the time you know but i feel like you and i which is really weird and kind of maybe uh no homo let me put it that way (laughs) i feel like we're linked in a strange way you know oh for sure you and i um and we both had a dark spell that had nothing to do with each other but coincided chronologically um and i think those dark spells kind of came almost i was gonna say fortuitously it's not fortuitous (laughs) at all it just happened to synchronistically happen with the bailing on the show me comic cast and tim i don't even know how much you know about each of our dark phases that happened almost right thereafter um not as much as i probably should yeah or anybody probably should but here we are on microphones i know uh so (laughs) when we were getting ready to end the show me comic cast i know you and i sat down and brainstormed what we would do with the podcast going forward we actually sat down and recorded some demo segments our idea was to record kind of like make make it more of almost a late night show where there's like segments to the and it's not to say that that was a terrible idea but it just didn't work pragmatically with life yeah and and life the narrative let me put it this way the life life narrative took way more precedence 
than any narrative we would spend either in writing comics or doing podcasts yeah. at that point. It was life. a very high concept podcast that we had formulated turning this into. So yeah, kind of yeah, dissolved. But I, I just mean the narrative of our own personal lives took mm-hmm. that was uh, way more important. Right. And even before that, even before the dark stuff, um, just as proof that the podcast was a great creative outlet, I think once we all kind of accepted that the Show Me Comic Cast had reached its uh, its pinnacle uh, to where we were at experience-wise at that time, um, we did start another podcast. We did How Should I Bro? And it well, was, it's funny that you mentioned that because How Should I Bro actually kind of documents in these very broad brushstrokes, some of the dark things that both <laughs> That's of a us good go point. through. That's a very good reason for anyone listening to this to look up the How Should I Bro oh, podcast. It's, a <laughs> it's totally you, our train wreck <laughs> lives. You will see those dark phases uh, play out on this podcast. Um, I but, don't, and I'm not proud. Of, like the first half of How Should I Bro? No. The first 80% of How Should I Bro? <laughs> the way I behaved and acted, like while it might have been funny that was not a good time in my life for me. Um, that was just my only outlet to, to be funny. Now, after that, another podcast, funnily enough, the high files, the high files, if you could, they're not available anymore, but the very first episodes up until the really good episodes, that was me pulling myself out of the darkness. So really in podcasts, you can listen to my entire fucked up trajectory in my life in some sort of weird abstracted disambiguous way it's kind of awesome that's where we're at as a society is people love to uh watch that hero's journey and then watch them fall oh yeah and then watch them be redeemed yeah, <laughs> and was... you can do that now through podcasts. And there were some episodes of How Should I Bro where you talked about your fault. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Which, uh, well, let's do this. And since this is the Show Me Comic Cast, um, where where we ended off five years ago, we had finished our first book. We still had the second one being worked on. Um, we had done our very first big comic book convention of Wizard World St. Louis. That was in 2014. And then uh, we also did Heroes Con in North Carolina. And Jordan and I were experiencing a little bit of what success was like. We were going to these shows and, and we were selling uh, we were selling a very large number of books for what independent creators do. I would say, um, just to cut you off briefly, success is a misleading word because everybody has their own definition of success. I think a better word is fulfillment. We yes. felt, felt fulfillment. Right. You know, we, we did a thing, the thing was real, mm-hmm. it was getting a response. You know, that could be at any level of the game. So, um, whatever your definition of success is, it doesn't matter. Your definition of fulfillment is kind of like a human right. thing, you know. But we, we went and we exceeded what the expectations of other people at our level were. So to me, that that felt like success. That was fulfillment. Exactly. Um, And we had done our first three comic book shows, and we were just dipping our toes in the water as to what to expect and to start to learn everything and how it goes. Well, and and if you're looking at the feed, that last show was Heroes Con. If you look back in this podcast feed um, to our last real episode, it was the Heroes Con recap. So that's exactly where we're picking up. And so here we are, uh, what had happened, we, 
we were still working on the second book and that took about a year and a half to finish. And within that year and a half, um, that's where a lot of the dark times happened. I know. Um, I'll explicitly talk about mine. Like I can't do every detail, but I will explicitly talk about mine. Let's hear it. Share, share with our audience. I'm sure. Well, so here's a perfect example. I just told him we've settled down. It sounds like we're going to be going through a long session. And I was like, dude, I'm going to need two beers. Like I brought one, but this, this sounds like a two beer podcast. (laughs) And, uh, that's something I've struggled with for a long time is the alcoholism. Right now, I'd say it's, I'm more like a functional alcoholic. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really affect my family. It doesn't affect my job, anything like that. Back then it was affecting things Mm -hmm. and it was getting, it was getting worse. Um, Oh, I guess we could just treat this like therapy and I'll be brutally honest. Um, my wife was really nagging me about my drinking. Right. And I have the kind of personality that when an authority figure or what I see to be an authority figure tells me to do something, I want to do the opposite. So the kernel of my being actually did know that I had a drinking problem. But when my wife was like, you have to stop drinking. I was like, Oh, well now definitely not. (laughs) No. And that's something I didn't, I couldn't talk about on an abstracted level. Like I can now back then it was all feelings. Right. So I didn't know that's what I was doing. I was just like, eh, you know, okay, I'll hide it, you know, and when I have to hide it, I'll, I have to cram more of the drinking in just to, just to show, you know, that I'm still in control of me, that somebody external um, from me is not forcing me to be whoever they want me to be. Mm-hmm. I'm my own person, which really I wasn't, you know, I was just, the thing about alcoholism is um, it's like a sub personality in your mind. So the personality that doesn't like authority, that was one personality. I vented into a second sub personality that was equally powerful or maybe more powerful. And it started to affect a lot of areas of my life. And if you go back and listen to some of the, how should I bro episodes, I'm drunk as a scum on there. <laughs> Um, but that was, and it's hilarious, it is but fun. it's not it's good fun for fun. your overall health. No, it's not good for your overall all <clears throat> lifestyle. It's like, uh, Jordan Peterson said, like, you can have a plan that works for today, mm-hmm. like getting drunk and having fun works awesome for today. Mm-hmm. That's a great solution. Like I'm not having a good time. I'll get drunk. I'll have a great time right. that works for today, but you need a solution that works for today and next week and next month and next year. And being an alcoholic doesn't work (laughs) for next week and next month and next year. It works only in the moment. But when you're an alcoholic, um, all you can kind of focus on is the moment. So I don't know when it was after we stopped the podcast, but it ended up coming to a time where there was a good chance I was going to get murdered. Mm -hmm. I won't give the details, but it was like in a drunken stupor. Like the fact that, It could have gone 50-50 either way. If one decision had been made the other way, there's a really good chance I would have been murdered. Right. And uh, it didn't go that way. Instead, I got picked up by the cops. (laughs) (laughs) And I happened to be wearing uh, my military fleece 
And I think that's the only reason they didn't haul me into the drunk tank. Yeah. Instead, they literally dropped me off on the side of the road out of their jurisdiction. And it was in winter. And I'll never forget this. Like, I was so effed up. And obviously, I was thirsty because I was dehydrated. And I I didn't even know where I was. And I was just walking down this lonely road. Mm -hmm. And the sun had come up, which was the end of my night, the beginning of everyone else's day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I knocked on this door and I told them, it was like this country house. And I said, uh, look, I'm so thirsty. Can I have a drink? (laughs) Like, I know I'm a stranger. Can I have a drink of water? And they were like, we don't have any bottles of water. We have a cream soda. And so there I am freezing holding this can of cream soda wearing my fleece walking down this road and drinking the cream soda gratefully you know (laughs) it helped i was thirsty but eventually i made it to a gas station i called a cab i got home and uh after that it went through a day of the shakes and then signed up for aa so did four months of aa where i was completely sober but the thing is, psychologically, I still had the, I'm not in AA because I want to be in AA. I'm in AA because all these people around me are making me. Right. You know, which was total bullshit, but I couldn't see it at the time. Mm-hmm. So I did fall off the wagon and went back to a more manageable style of drinking. But I would still consider myself an alcoholic to this day. It's just that I pulled myself out of the getting murdered phase. Right. Um. And well, that, that helped a lot. And that coincided with what, what dark time in your life. <laughs> well, it's funny because I remember uh, talking to you the day after all this happened because we were supposed to go to Buffalo Wild Wings and watch some MMA fights. And you were like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to go to the fights. And I was like, why? And you were like, it's probably not a good idea for me to be around alcohol. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, what? Exactly. You're like, yeah, I'm going to rehab. <laughs> yeah, basically. That was, that was kind of... I mean, it's the, I'm a normal guy, but if I was a celebrity, that's the language you would talk about it in. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's Oh, shit, he had a public, you know, brouhaha, and now they're going into rehab. Mm-hmm. And as somebody that has known you now for 25 years and has been close to you for all 25 years, alcohol has been a part of your life almost that entire time. Yeah, I've I, always said Jordan's one of the most functional alcoholics I've ever met. When when we were younger, we would have uh, we would have little trivia questions that Jordan would memorize, and I would ask him to prove to others that he wasn't drunk just because we had these answers memorized. Yeah. <laughs> so even if he was pissed drunk, he would, it would be the same questions every time. But I got to know you for so long like that. But I also learned that you were somebody that didn't want an authoritative figure, someone telling you, you can't do that. Exactly. So it, uh, I'm actually coming up on the point now where I want to go back to AA, but this time it's going to be for me. Yeah. It's going to be just for me. So uh, I've gotten to that good, good place. And I'm not saying that alcohol is ruining my life right now. It, it's not, but it's definitely not helping it. Right. If I was at 5% of my potential when I was at my darkest, maybe I'm at 50 or 60% right mm-hmm. now. Right. And society's fine with my 50 or 60%. It has to be me that's not fine with that to say, no, I could transcend this. Yeah. I could be fucking, I could be a whirlwind if I really wanted definitely. to. Definitely. I think, and we'll go into this soon, but based off just what we've done the past the past year just the past year in our lives 
personal and with uh, what we do in our professional lives and with the comic book that right now, if you're just operating at 50%, I can't imagine what you're going to be at at a higher level because already it's awesome. We will get to that point, I think, because that that actually comes to the transformation part of the story we have to get to. But you have to tell your dark side night of the soul before we get to the transformation part so while you were going through all this i was still a professional wrestler i was still going out um one two three matches every weekend and getting my head beat in and i i got to a point where i was becoming very very impulsive very erratic and uh, some of that's just how i am by nature there's a lot of things that i've dealt with mentally that for a long time, I didn't think that it was different or weird. And then as things got more and more strange and bizarre and I felt worse, I knew there's something going on in my head that normal people don't deal with. And it started to affect me in the in the wrestling. I, I got to where I was passing out during matches, getting knocked unconscious, um, after matches, going backstage and throwing up and getting bad headaches. And uh, it got to where just it, it, I, I could be perfectly awake and conscious and zone out for several minutes at a time and not notice what was going on around me. And it came to a head when I was driving down the highway one morning and just totally zoned out at a red light. I was not texting. I was not distracted. I was looking straight forward Mm -hmm. and just looked up and realized I was going through a red light. And as I did, there was a big pickup truck coming right to the intersection and I crashed into it and almost killed myself. And at the time, my one-year-old son, I, had the audio of that <laughs> on my iPhone, but I lost my yeah. iPhone. So I've got I, it there, somewhere. There was audio. Yeah, there, there was audio because at the time I, I was right. I was trying to do the I was trying to do the How Should I Bro podcast back then, and so what I would do is as yeah, I was driving it back to that podcast. Right, dark I, it, it does. I would, and that's because that was like therapy for us. I, yeah, I think it, podcasts are great. They are like right therapy. Yeah. Um, and I would I would keep my phone on me, and sometimes I would I would just record and just talk. And if I if I caught something, I did. If I did. And at that time I had had it on and I was just thinking of some stuff, but I was just, I, I wasn't really talking. I was just driving along. And next thing I know, I'm smashing front end into a pickup truck and just demolished my automobile. My son and I went to the ER and at the time my uh, my now wife, we were, we were separated at the time. And, it, you know, and she is, of course, I don't want you driving with him anymore. And you're texting all Hold the on. time and boop, boop. Because that's the real start of the dark night of the soul, I think. Why were you separated from her? Um, this is all going to... I'm going I'm to go the, into the that. The short version. Right. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to go into that. Uh, but, but having to tell her, look, I wasn't texting. I wasn't distracted. I just zoned out. Um, that then led to eventually being um, hospitalized. <laughs> to put it to put it mildly. Fun, I was, well, funnily enough... In another podcast series, Beard versus Evil, you actually explain this in depth. That's why I mean, like, we can do short version here. But uh, yeah, again, <laughs> this is all documented right. across multiple podcasts. It, it is. I, I was hospitalized. I was in a psychiatric institute where I found out that I have major concussion issues. But all of that was just compounding um, bipolar disorder and ADHD and. Uh, <laughs> No joke, like different forms of schizophrenia and mm-hmm. mental issues that I've dealt with uh, that were just part of me, part of my brain since I've been born. Some of that was to do with a lot of deaths in my family, with my siblings and, and 
uh, stuff that was never dealt with whenever I was younger. And then you throw these concussion problems into it and it just all seemed to manifest right around that time. There were some other things going on where, uh, my wife and I had separated at that time and, uh, it, it was due to just being depressed and in a state of mind where I did not want to be at home. I did not want to be around my family. I did not want to be around other people. So I was just, uh, immersing myself in my in my work and in my pro wrestling and again at the time I was still working on the second issue of the comic book we didn't have shows we didn't, it was like I was still mm-hmm. focusing on that so I had you know it was easy to bury myself in work to distract from uh, my personal life and all the things going on with that so I was hospitalized I found out about all these mental issues that I had and uh, it, it took a little while to start dealing with that and going through therapy and saying okay this is what's wrong with you uh, and now here's the treatment that you have to go through to help it. And so the the following year was uh, just coming out of that, learning how to deal with all the things that go on in my head and how to become a better person and think differently, um, which was cool because it was the same time that you were going through all your stuff. That was cool and weirdly synchronous. You know, well, I, that way. I always tell people that you and I are like creative soulmates. Um, yeah. Anyone that are new listeners... Jordan and I go way back, 25 years. We met in a gifted program whenever we were kids. And uh, just since then, our brains seem to link. We're always on the same wavelength. And it's like if we have a creative project or something to immerse our brains into, it's easy for us to stay on that. But if we don't and we start to go separate ways or we start to go on dark paths, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it can get really bad. Well, however, I would say that when we get to the transformation part, which I think we're about to get to, is that we did both transform ourselves in parallel but separate paths. Mm Mm-hmm. Which still is a kind of a synchronous event, you know, where we both kind of pulled ourselves out of the dark episodes at about the same time, did our own thing, and now the whole point of this Show Me Comic as One Shot is we're kind of coming back a little bit closer and more aligned again. This is this is where the story has kind of a... It kind of it comes together, and then it splits again for a little bit and comes back together, so... As I'm coming out of my therapy and all the different things with my mental issues and Jordan has gone to AA and he's dealing with the alcoholism and all that, um, we finished the second book. I finished all the art for it. We got it all printed up and we said, all right, things seem to be stable in both of our homes. We both are starting to feel like we have our stuff together. Uh, Let's print these books out. Let's hurry up and do a show because we hadn't done a show in like a year and a half. And we did, we did, uh, it was a local show called winter one day and we debuted Hafu book two and we sold a ton of them and it felt awesome. It felt great to be back on the shows. It felt great to, uh, to have our story completed. Um, and then what happened was we took another split. So we did one show after a year and a half and, unfortunately the comic book couldn't be our focus and this time no, it wasn't due to negative reasons the funny so, thing is oh go ahead i was just gonna ask what what year would this be in terms 2016 of 2016 yeah so, for the listeners so the 2016 or like the it, very it beginning of 2017 yeah i think it might have been if it was that winter one day it was either the end of 2016 or the beginning right. of 2017 gotcha. and the the strange thing about that was the coming together for a book two couldn't have come at a worse time and yet it was a good time mm-hmm. because both of us it was a bad time for the comic book because both of us had figured a bunch of shit out and had new goals and were pursuing those new goals that ate up a whole bunch of mm-hmm. our free time right to where the comic kind of had to be like eh, 
you know, I, I really like it and, and stuff, but I, I'm on this new path. That, that was a difficult one because I felt like we had both cleaned up a lot of our personal lives. We had got a lot of stuff, a lot of loose ends that were starting to be tied together. And we thought, Hey, you know, let's get back into the comic book world. And, and, and I think we were really enthusiastic. I don't think the motivation wasn't there so much. No, that it was just time. <laughs> we, we, we knew to make this happen. We, we need to get out. We, we knew what the ingredients were. Again, we go back to the original show me comic cast. We learned a lot, um, over that, that first two years of, of what needs to be done to make something like a comic book successful. Show me comic cast was kind of like a comic book like first two years of college. Like totally. if you were going to go to college for comic books, that was like our freshman and sophomore year. I agree. Definitely. So when, when we got back together and we said, okay, book two is finished. Um, we, we knew the blueprint for what we needed to follow. Well, can and, I, can I pause for a second? Yeah. So I think my personal story brings us up to this point of the comics very, very well. And you'll probably want to ricochet off this and talk about starting your business or whatever mm-hmm. briefly, but I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the record before, but I always had this weird idea when I was a kid. You've had many weird ideas oh, okay. <laughs> well, when you well, were a kid. Here's one. One was like, uh, death's a pretty serious thing, but I have no idea how serious it is mm-hmm. because uh, I've never lost anybody close to me. Right. And that idea might have actually popped up when I met you because you lost your sister when you were really, really Mm -hmm. young. And I'm like, like I knew on an intellectual level, like that's super transformative. That's a transformative experience I have not had. Right. I have never lost anybody that close to me. You know, Mm -hmm. a, a one degree separated relative. I've never lost that. To be honest, I've still never lost that. However, I, I lost the next closest thing, which was my stepmom. Mm-hmm. And I've got a whole podcast episode I'm going to do about this, so I won't get into it in too much detail. But the event itself was transformative in my life because uh, my dad and my stepmom retired, finally, living the dream, right. <laughs> and moved to Virginia where they wanted to move. And immediately after they moved, she got diagnosed with stage four cancer. So she was close enough in my life and important enough to my kids and my wife and, and me. And we had enough of a history and we'd made amends and we'd been through shit towards like, she was a family member. Definitely. Right. So she's the closest person I've ever actually lost. Like she was close enough to make an impact. Yeah. When you see a celebrity die on the internet, you're like, yeah. Yeah. But when you have a friend die, it's you actually you're, it's close, and right. which makes you think about your own death. But what happened was she died, and I we were supposed to see her on Thanksgiving. We we're going to go out there for Thanksgiving. She died before Thanksgiving, so we didn't go out there. Instead, my dad was like, "I'm going to drive back, and we'll have a mor- memorial for her in St. Louis." On his way driving for the memorial, he had intestinal difficulties and had to be hospitalized. So in my mindset, with no 2020 hindsight, I'm like, okay, I lost her. Now I'm about to lose my dad. Right. So I just took the kids, threw them in the car, and like my wife couldn't get off work, and I said, we're going. You know, this, we might be saying goodbye. That was just the frame of mind I was in. Yeah. Now this is all a big setup to the fact that 
so there's no wife to distract me in the passenger seat and the kids are just doing their own thing in the back so i had eight hours to think about death right and i'm going (laughs) to west virginia that's what was like the halfway point where he broke down and uh and just thinking about your stepmom just died your dad's about to die guess what motherfucker you're gonna die and i just meditated on it eight hours can you think of anybody in your everyday life that you meet that has ever sat there for eight hours and just thought about death probably not so this was my answer to that childhood question like you've never lost anybody what would it be like if you did well this is what it was like yeah this is what it was like i thought about it intensely for a long long time mm-hmm and when I got back from West Virginia, it turned out my dad, um, he had a hernia problem and it wasn't as critical as I thought it was. It was still a little scary. Um, but I came back with this whole new set of lenses to look at life. And I was like, this job I'm in, no, no, this is not fulfilling to me. I'm not leaving anything behind for another generation. I am wasting my fucking life chasing dollars. Right. I have to make a change. Mm -hmm. And that gets us into that transformation cycle where it's like, okay, the, the, the AA part was kind of like coincided with that maybe, but it was the death part that really was like, okay, it woke me up to say you're 30 something. This is going to go by in the blink of an eye. Do you really want to sit there, like they say in office space, making Bill Lumberg's stock go up a quarter of a point or right, whatever? Right. Um, and I was like, no, it doesn't. On a day-to-day level, it doesn't fulfill me, which means I'm in the wrong industry. On a meta level, I don't think I'm doing any good for anybody on the planet. Right. So on a meta level, it wasn't fulfilling either. So I had to make a change. And that's where I decided... I'm going back to school. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'll pause there and say what it, what was your, your thing was building a business, right? Right. This just goes back to what we said about you and I always being on the same wavelength. Um, <laughs> and we see this so often when we do comic book conventions and you're in the, the art and creative world is that some people get so obsessed with the idea of I'm going to be an artist. This book is, this is going to be it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I just have to get it out to enough people. We're also very realistic. You're a great writer and I'm a good artist. Hold on, we're not, I... we're not the best, but we also are smart enough to realize that we have other skills and other things to contribute. I in just our want lives. to pin, put a pin in that. I'm is a that... great writer thing. I'm just going to put a pin in that. I'm going to come back to that. Later. All right. But, uh, I think we had both reached a stage in our lives where we looked at, okay, sure, these are things we're good at. They're fun hobbies. We've created fans with our comic books. But what are the things in our lives that we are actually successful at and that can provide for our family and that provide more fulfillment for us? Mm-hmm. Those are the things that we really were having to focus at at that time in our lives. So And legacy was something that entered into sure. the equation. that So... To, to tie this back into the, the winter one day and how we did one show, we came back, we, we sold Hafu Book 2, and, uh, and and we really were motivated for it. We did a Kickstarter. We were like, hey, to do this, we got to put all of our time and energy into it. We need to do a Kickstarter. And unfortunately, halfway through the Kickstarter is when we realized that uh, 
we had the other thing in our life, the other things that we needed to, to work mm-hmm. on to bring us fulfillment. Like we said, there's other things to us besides just our, our hobbies and our, and our talents. Well, on that note, let me amend what I just said. Cause when I say legacy, I think most people listening aren't going to think what I actually mean by that. I don't mean egotistical legacy. I don't mean my name in lights. I mean, what did I actually fucking do while right. I was on this planet? Totally. Did I help anybody? Totally. That's what I mean by legacy. Like, if you went and fed 50,000 orphans, that's an awesome legacy. Right. Nobody's going to see that on Broadway. For sure. For sure. And I think we came to that realization (laughs) at the same time that we thought, hey, our book's done. Let's really put a lot of effort into this. We realized that we were at that crossroads again where we go, well, we could put a lot of time and effort into this book. Or we could use that time to put into the other things in our lives that were giving us fulfillment and that we knew we needed to work on. In your case, you were going back to school. You were going to become a teacher. I was uh, taking my personal training business and really tripling the size of it Mm -hmm. and opening my own studio. And so we had quite a few pokers in the fire, but we realized we had to take a couple of those out to make the other fires as big as we could. So I think during that long five-year hiatus of Show Me Comics, there there was that one point that we came back, but we realized mentally we were in a much better space. We weren't in our dark place anymore, but that in our personal lives, we had other things we needed to take care of and grow before we could make the comic book a priority. It was really only four years now that I keep thinking about you saying five years. It's been right, years. But, but either way, we years. it's not that we didn't want to, but we really had places in our personal lives where we wanted to grow and develop. And that's really what we spent like two years doing. So that growth and development is a great point. So I'll take that pen out of that great writer thing. Um, When I came back from that whole meditating on death, I had two problems. I had the problem of what am I doing for the rest of humanity? You know, like what am I doing to fulfill? Like, why am I even, why am I useful? Why not just end it? You know, right. what, what, the calculus, how does it come out? Am I just consuming more than I'm giving? No, I want to give more than I consume. That's the goal right? on that level. And then the other level is like, well, I still have an ego. Like I still want to do, I still want to be a better version of me every day. And then I realized um, through all that meditation on death, it's like, dude, I'm not a great writer. I'm a great writer in the company that I keep. Right. But um, that that's the whole big fish, small pond syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I will never, like if I ever want to, yeah, I, I understand that I have to, more importantly, not serve my ego, but I have a fucking ego. It's important that I serve that too and have that part yeah, be sure. happy. If I ever want to actually serve that ego... I need the skills. I don't have the fucking skills. I just have better skills than the immediate people right. around me. So I made a calculus. Uh, and this is, this sounds very cold and calculating and maybe a little aspy. You know what I mean? Is like, I made a calculus. I'm like, okay, I have this GI bill in the bank. I can get a master's degree. What do I get a master's degree in? Well, when I was in the Navy, I found out I'm good at teaching. If I become a teacher, I can serve that whole giving outside myself aspect. Sure. Now, what do I teach? Computer science, easy day. Because I had a computer science undergrad. Easy day. If I want to go teach a bunch of kids about computers, I'm giving outside myself. 
that did nothing for my fucking ego. Right. Like I was working in the IT industry. It wasn't passionate. It didn't make me a better writer. Right. So I'm like, ah, if I go to school to become an English teacher, I will finally go back and get the degree I should have gotten when I was a young man. That will actually make me a good writer. Right. That will make me a better storyteller. Even if it's only a piece of the puzzle, it's still more of the piece of the puzzle than I had before. I had an empty trivial pursuit piece, you know. Now I'll go get that that big whatever color the literature pie pieces and <laughs> put it in there. Or the grammar pie and they didn't have a grammar pie piece. But you know what I mean. All those skills those skills I'll go back and get them I will transform my fucking self and I will use the opportunity of this paid for college education to do that now the funny thing is a regular master's degree is about 36 39 some odd credits I got 92 credits Mm. because I had to go back and I had to do basically the last two years of an English bachelor's degree and a master's degree now I knew that signing up but that was the crucible that I'm like, yes, this is going to suck. I am going to not be able to devote my time to this Kickstarter for Hafu 2. I am not going to be able to devote my time sometimes to my family. Right. I am not going to be able to do the fucking High Files podcast anymore. I'm not, But I am in a crucible and I will emerge two and a half, three years later. And actually we're sitting here right when I have emerged yes you have and i will say now i can say with confidence the writer i am now kicks the shit out of the writer i was back then definitely so that's your for the people that were into this for the comic aspect that's that's the bit for you definitely came out better in in all aspects i think and uh but to, to tie that back to the crossroads that we were at at the time we did that kickstarter and and again we knew we had we had so much in front of us that we just couldn't dedicate to the comic book we needed to become better inside we needed to fulfill that thing inside of us that uh went way beyond comic books and what Mm -hmm. our talents are and yeah so you did that at the time i was both stabilize our families also for sure and that's it's like at the time there was no uh there was no animosity there it wasn't like either of us were like oh well fuck you you don't want to work on this it was a it was a mutual realization like oh man it would be so cool to work on the book i hope this kickstarter works but we also realized that during the promotion of that kickstarter we've got too much on our play right now which makes us real friends and not for sure fucking petty fair weather friends and uh at that time, what I was doing was opening my own studio. Um, I've, I've been a personal trainer for the last 10 years. I've always been an independent contractor. So I rented out space at other facilities and I ran my business and it was just me. I was the trainer. I had clients. That was it. And at this point, I had realized that I had grown my business enough that I was no longer being fulfilled by just being a trainer. I thought there are a lot of talented trainers out there but they get screwed by their gyms. They've got no mentorship. That was the next level I wanted to go to with my business and, and with my, my occupation. I wanted to be someone that helped other trainers build their business. I wanted them to reap some of the success from a system that, that was working for me. And so I started my own studio. And to go through that, I also knew I was going to get a lot better at business because hands-on, 
balls to the wall. I was going to jump right into writing business plans, getting business loans, mm-hmm. going to the government, establishing myself that. as a as a legal entity, and all the things that come with with the business world and having employees and all the rules and regulations you can have I, to follow. Can I say something briefly? Yeah. Like while I was going through my transformation, I was watching, you know, as a voyeur, your transformation and realizing now, like sitting here right now, you're a business expert. Come at least compared to me. If I wanted had a question about it, I would come to you, which means you have transformed yourself from somebody who was you know a young green entrepreneur right. now in my eyes and this you know maybe you don't want to hear the praise but you are a business expert in my eyes sure <laughs> i'll take that i'll take that yeah. i'm an expert I'm, I'm serious you know you've done um, the things you've right done i the things. i i definitely value the opinion of somebody that's been in the trenches that has accomplished something that that's actually done it and had an amount of success with it. Cause of course anybody can just go do something, but if it fails, um, what is there to learn from that besides what caused them to fail? So when someone's also had success with that, that's somebody that I'm going to respect more than someone who just regurgitates information right. that they heard from Gary V or some, mm-hmm. some other podcast. You have, um, you have learned it and applied it versus for just sure the, the ability to apply knowledge is as important if not more than the knowledge itself well, that's my whole dichotomy uh, but we can, we can say this here expand the visual and act the visual. That, um, that's to come but just like you said going going and, and getting your degree on what you did it made you a much better writer um what i did on the business end because with with the comic book and the stuff we do, um, that's what I always that's what I've always really liked is marketing and sales. And so even though I'm the artist on the book and you're the writer, we're a two man team, so we handle everything else to do mm-hmm. with it, the marketing, the advertising. That's the stuff that I've always loved. And so I knew going into this endeavor with my studio that that was just going to make me uh, smarter and give us a bigger advantage business wise once I was done with that. Yeah, it's like a. a- Skill acquisition. Yes, for sure. For sure. And just because you acquired the skill in the personal training domain does not mean that is the domain where it can only be applied. I agree 100%. Available now at HafuComic.com. Get both copies, Hafu Book 1 and Book 2 for only $25. Book 1 is 64 pages, full color. Book 2 is 90 pages full color and if you are awesome and you leave us a message we will sign it and draw a customized sketch for you only available at HafuComic.com right now so I think we would be remiss if we didn't get the four year interlude of podcast producer Tim (laughs) okay Um, so I don't have a lot of dark stuff to talk about no uh, not much of a hero's journey and to pull myself out of, but um, it's your for, life. It is my <laughs> life. Um, to catch everybody up to speed after we kind of went on a hiatus as digital media producer, um, I didn't have a lot of digital media to produce anymore. So I started trying to produce more comics, kind of started the Unexed Studios Podcast Network, which led to me trying to talk all my friends into doing a podcast so I could release them. Which led to How Should I Bro, which I co-hosted for Sam, with Sam for a little bit, and you as well, in the mm-hmm. uh, later episodes. And I started a Game of Thrones podcast with our friend Mike and my then-girlfriend, now-wife, uh, Sarah, 
called Watchers on the Couch, which is a Game of Thrones podcast, which we have now branched out to cover show, other shows and movies. And then I started to realize going into that that I went through this uh, podcast business thing all wrong, and I thought I was going to make a successful podcast network before I really had a really good show that I was proud of. I understand. So went back to the drawing board a little bit and kind of dialed back the the uh, the podcast network, so to speak, especially since as everybody were going through their own ventures in life, the amount of shows on the network kind of dried up, which ended well uh, for everybody going forward. And there's some good things to come and we got to sit down and do some catch up here. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm really only focusing on Watchers on the Couch at the moment. Um, I did I did Beard vs. Evil for a little bit, and that might come back at some point. That's the first episode, uh, like we talked about, uh, I did with Sam. He was my first guest, and we talked about some of his stuff, which was a great episode and a great, uh, great interview, in my opinion. I thought it was a great episode, too. Um, yeah, but then around the... Around where Beard vs. Evil currently stops, I was going through some... I went from being at the top of my game to being kind of depressed about life in general. Uh, Bottom bitch. Yeah. Not uh, <laughs> not being satisfied with my uh, work life and things like that. But uh, And that lasted pretty much the entire year. Like, it didn't get any better after that episode. Mm. Uh, oh, see, so, so that's the story that's missing from the podcast, uh, Annals. Yeah. Uh, so when whenever Beard vs. Evil comes back, and it will, uh, we'll get into that a little more. But, spoiler alert, I have changed jobs since then at the beginning of this year. So 2019 is a fresh year for me with a new job that's uh, still a bit stressful. Um, I'm doing the same kind of stuff. Uh, learning new things, but the it's all remote now, which frees up the, the schedule is very flexible. Mm -hmm. As like as long as I get my work done and things like that, I'm free to you know do stuff around the house or work on my own thing for a little bit. Like if I want to take a three hour lunch and work on a podcast or something like that, I'm free to do that and then come back cool. in the evening to do work. So it's yeah, it's been great. Um, and then. Let's see what else. That's that. Well, I'm, like I said, uh, in the time uh, our sophomore year of Show Me Comics uh, or Show Me Comic Cast, I started dating a girl and a former coworker, and we since got married. So that's exciting. And bought a new house, and we're in a new studio now. So everything's that's new. true. That's <laughs> true. That's, we are in a totally different locale. So yeah, it's been it's been a ride. Uh, Basically, adventures in adulting is has been my right. last yeah. has been my last four years. Um. Oh, while while we were doing Show Me Comics, there's a lot of writer focused stuff in the Show Me Comic cast with me and Jordan, and I have not I've still not finished my book. So right on. But I have been. I decided I wanted to get more into being a better storyteller as opposed to being a good writer, and then get the writing skills later. So I have dived headfirst into Dungeons and Dragons to try to learn how to improvise stories. That's actually a great, that is a great tool for anybody that wants to either just be creative or, uh, well, I guess like there are a lot of people that do D and D that are into art 
mm-hmm. and they end up doing drawings of monsters and characters and maps and stuff like that or there's the people that like to write that like to write the backgrounds or write the stories Mm -hmm. or set up the plots and everything that goes into the game so the role playing is a great vehicle for creative outlets in general and it probably helped me write the comic that we did write sure and then yeah the reason i got into it was for a few reasons one because i hadn't played dungeon and dragon since i played with you and your brother back in 2002 <laughs> yeah that or was something a long like that and it was just like hard to get anybody together so i decided well if this is going to happen i'm going to have to dm and if i'm going to dm i get freedom to world world build which is my favorite part of writing is just creating the world i'm i'm kind of tolkien-esque that way where the the world might actually be more detailed and better than the story that <laughs> that uh it takes well, it's place bridging in. that gap that you got to work on then. Yeah, there's that. But uh, also, you can't, you don't get a linear story in Dungeons and Dragons because the players, it's a, it's a cooperative story between you and the players, and the well, players can throw you for a loop, and you have to think on your feet. Can I do an aside, please? Um, if you read Hafu, you will know that the way I approach storytelling, that at least I figured out at that point in my life, was you really play with your own mind like you're playing with people that you don't know. Because I had no intention of... This is a spoiler alert. So if you haven't bought the comics, this is a spoiler. Fast forward two minutes. <laughs> I had no intention of uh, Akiko's mom getting murdered. Maybe roughed up. Mm-hmm. But when I was writing it, I literally was like, No. Her dad would not do that. He would kill her. And then I heard another voice in my head going like, yeah, but that's not what I had planned. And then the other voice was like, yeah, but that's what the character would do. Mm -hmm. And so it's like literally when you're writing, you should feel that same dynamic as when you're running a D&D campaign where you have people you can't control. You just have to internalize that there should be voices inside your head that you can't control for sure yeah definitely no offense sam (laughs) (laughs) there should be i take take medication for that yeah as a writer though there should be voices in your side your head and you need to learn when to listen to them and when to not just like as a dm you're like "Eh, do i let them how far do i let them go down this path do i need to make a creative thing to stop them or do i just let them go Mm -hmm. and in the case of our comic i let i let it go i let tokiyumi murder her I fucking let it happen. I'm culpable. <laughs> That's like, have you read the Dark Tower series? Uh, just the first one. Oh, okay. Well, then, never mind. But there's a well. Stephen King as a character appears in the Dark Tower series. Really? Yeah. So sorry, Sam. I let her get murdered. I don't know if you wanted <laughs> no, her that, to get murdered. That was a fun scene to draw. <laughs> it was an interesting scene to draw. Really. All right. Now spoilers are done. Okay. Yeah, so. So, yeah, I mean, the Dungeons & Dragons stuff is what I'm... Dungeons & Dragons and Watchers on the Couch are what I'm primarily focused on right now. Um, and then a lot of stuff's just like trying to trying to hone my production skills. How like so? Um, I'm thinking that I'm going to turn some of our D&D sessions into audio dramas. 
what do they call those? What do they call those? Uh, live plays. Uh, yeah, but this won't actually be a live play. Mm. Kind of like, yeah, if you're familiar with Critical Role where they just basically do the session and like live or and then release it. Out. So what you're doing is more of the uh, Margaret Weiss, Terry, what's her name? Terry Hickman. Terry H- Margaret Weiss, Terry Hickman, how they turn their actual plays and into then, the Dragonlance into the series. Dragonlance books, yeah. Um, yes, kind of. There's going to be. It's gonna and we've be, lost the whole comics. No, yeah, totally. Actually, dra- the Dragonlance series are in graphic novels, so mm. you can uh, you can read those if you want. But uh, it's going to be part uh, live play, but it's also going to then like kind of flow into like certain scenes are going to be more like dramatized. Yeah, fully. I'm I'm imagining fully produced like uh, audiobook. That sounds series fun. That sounds real fun stuff. So. That's uh that's something I'm planning on launching at the towards the end of summer. So Well, I look forward to it. We'll see how that goes. And that catches us up, doesn't it? That catches us up. So Sam. You and I converged where was our convergence point where we converged in I, I think you really prodded me to come back to the comics, but I I'm a little hazy. Right. Well, <clears throat> we started a comic book, we got our feet wet, we went through a dark time. We grew, we grew our butterfly wings. We came out of our cocoon and we were stronger, smarter, mm-hmm. more resilient people. Um, it's like that Kanye Westrom exactly. song. Uh, yeah. What is it? Stronger, Better, faster. faster. <laughs> I don't know. We play it all the time in boot camp. I'm so sick of that song. I, I love <laughs> anyway, that song though. So let's, uh, let's fast forward to 2019. I had uh, stabilized with my business. Things had calmed down quite a bit. I, I got to the point that my trainers were, were set. They were, they were running a lot of the business and I, I was able to calm down a little on how busy I was, which when I say calm down a little, I'm so busy as hell with it, but it's not <laughs> nearly as as stressful as it was when we started oh yeah you have people working for you now which takes the load off and jordan uh was starting to near the end of his school he was seeing a light at the end of the tunnel and uh even with as busy as i was i i had my my buddy albert who is a professional wrestler he contacted me and he said hey i'm gonna let you know something nah, no one else knows this so what's that and he goes i got signed by the wwe Mm. And he goes, I report in a few months, but he goes, how I want to break the news is in a comic. Oh yeah. yeah he goes, yeah. I, I want to draw a, a, a six, a six page story. And every week I'm going to release one page and each page has four panels. And it's the story of it's me, like a web comic, like a web comic. And he goes, the final page is me showing up to the WWE performance center. And that's how I want to reveal to all of my fans that I was signed by the WWE. Yeah. That was the Genesis. I'm glad you, and, and Albert, there. Albert, has been a big name overseas in Japan. He's a big star. Um, he's a big star on the independent scene here in America, but WWE is a whole other animal. And so this was a big deal. And like, I, I told him, I'm honored, man. You wanted me to draw it. And I was like, look, you know, I'm, I'm really busy, but I said, I'll definitely find time to do this. And, uh, he even asked how much money I would want to do it. I was like, nothing, man, this is, mm-hmm. I'm proud of you. You know, I, this is a big deal. I, would love I like to Albert this. too. I've only met him a few times, yeah. but he's, he's really, really cool. he's a super likable dude. Awesome guy. And, uh, I found that during this, uh, it was fun. It was really fun. And, and once I really got a few hours into it, like my skills, my Your taste inking, buds came back. Right. And it, when it was good, it was like better than stuff I was doing before. And I was like, okay, so As that's there. Be. And I see, you know, I, and I uh, just finding the time to do it. I thought that was going to be the excuse. And really 
when I realized how much fun I was having, I did just like I tell my clients, I started prioritizing and making the time for mm. it. And when we started to release them, the feedback from the fans, it was just, it was so much fun. And it kind of gave me that little itch again. And I started thinking about it and I was like, you know, the business side of me, the entrepreneur goes, Hey, we got this damn 64 page and 90 page comic book done. We have a just product. sitting there in the can. We yeah. have a product. Why aren't we making money off of this? Why aren't, why don't we take this out and do something with it? It wouldn't require us to do anything new. Sure. There would be some promo art. I could find time to do that, but I'm like, maybe this is a sign now that Albert's moving on to WWE, he's going to have an even bigger fan base. He, you know, I talked to him and I said, I'm not going to charge you to do any of this art. I want to do it for you. I'm proud of you. But if you wouldn't mind helping us out, if we get this comic Tweeting book going, in there, yeah. yeah, retweeting us to your fans, helping advertise it, maybe we might have something. And so I talked to you and, and you were, you know, saying, I had just been winding down. So like to get that 92 credits in two and a half years, a lot of times I was taking like six classes at a clip. Oh yeah. You were kicking your ass, but to meet the requirements, I was in the, the tail end to where I would like, the last semester I took three classes and, and that's like to somebody who's taken zero classes, that sounds like a lot of classes to somebody who was taking six classes. Like, Oh my, I have tons of free time now. <laughs> yes, No, totally. But I, I think we both found ourselves where we're like, Hey, we have a little bit of free time and we have this product. We have this story. It's been something we have been working on since, since we were young. Let's do something with this let's get i think both and of I us was ready yeah and i think we were at that point we wanted to get out we wanted to do some traveling we wanted to get out and talk to people we wanted to see people we wanted to get out of our <laughs> and, every day well mundane. and also i had a one thing i didn't mention is i had another herculean task which was becoming this is so ludicrous now that i think about it like <laughs> why the fuck did i do this so I didn't student teach. Instead of student teaching, I just got hired right. as a teacher. Right. Which means I had to figure out a whole new profession. <laughs> and I got hired in an inner city school. Talk about stress. Yes. But at the time that you approached me, I had sort of kind of 60% figured out this new profession in this new extreme environment. Sure. And so I felt comfortable enough to where like, yeah, I still have a lot on my plate, but... I have an I have like those stupid lunch trays, you know, yeah. where it's like, yeah, I've still got the entree is full, the fucking drink slot is full, one side is full, but I have a side that just freed up. Yes. <laughs> so which, let's let's do it. Which helps immensely. I think we also both realized that uh things like the comic book, podcast, doing shows are a stress relief for us. And this was always fun. kind of the plan. Yes. The plan was to come out of a church for and, me. I don't know yes. about for you, but for me, it was like I had an actual right. hard date where it's like I plan to come out of this. I'm still going to go back and do my own podcast again. Right. Once that other spot on the lunch tray <laughs> opens back up, which it is now, actually. But uh, yeah, we talked about it and we said, hey, this is a great time. We want to have some fun anyway. Then and a few other things started to fall into place there. So around the time that I did this, uh, this comic book for for Albert and I thought, man, I'm going to talk to Jordan. We should take our comic book and do something with it. I'm not even concerned about making new stuff. We're not concerned about adding anything to it. Let's just take this and go out and make a real effort and have fun with it. Um, at that time, 
a a well, the high school that's uh, oh yeah in our district. that's how it started that's the, how it started. the high school that's that's close to us um, they had done a comic book convention the year before it was Fox High School and uh, I had taken my daughter to it and I mean it, it was bad it was it was <laughs> it was not good but I took her because my kids they're into that they like to cosplay and and we went to it and it was really bad and what was funny was there was a guy there with like coloring sheets and. Uh, I took my daughter to it so she could color and I turned it over and I started drawing on it. Well, I had people coming up to me thinking I was like an artist that was mm. there like as an exhibitor. And I was like, no, I'm just bored. And then we got talking. I told her, oh yeah, you know, my buddy and I, we did a comic book a few years ago and they were and, like, oh, uh, we'd love to see it. Funny thing is the guy that put that convention together, he, during that time I was serving on a, a homeowners association board with that same dude so i knew <laughs> i also knew him but he, not having yeah, anything to do he, with that he lived in our subdivision so that's how i found out about it. it was on the community social media board for our subdivision but anyway that was that was a year ago and when they found out we did our own book they were like hey we're gonna do another one of these you know, maybe we could have you guys in next year and Again, I told, at the time i told you spoiler alert <laughs> so fast forward one minute i told you it was like we're going to go to a high school and sell a book about a school shooting in a high school. Okay, dude. And I was just like, that's on you. I yeah. Have no but, uh, so fast forward to this year, they were going to do their second convention and he, we talked about it and they said, Hey, we'd love to have you and your buddy here with your book. And so this was whenever I was going to approach Jordan about getting back into it. So I was like, Hey man, these are just, these are little things that are just falling into place. Did this comic book for Albert. We talked about getting back in and doing it. There's a show right here in our little town and it's a little one. So we're going to be like the best things there. Let's do this. Let's just do this as a fun mm -hmm. show to get back into it. And um, the other thing that happened and this is uh, to me, this is a cool thing. Uh, when, when we did our very first show, when we did was a world 2014, when the first book came that out, that wasn't our first show. Well, that it was Project our first Comic -Con. project comic con was, but the first big show we did where, where we really got, Hafu book one out there it was it was in 2014 and while we were at wizard world we see this big group of like 20 fanboys like these dorks just walking around and i'm like what is going on over there and i look and in the middle of this circle is this little uh little asian girl dressed like this warrior princess and these fanboys are just following her around and i was like oh I, I went over hold on we got to set this up a little better i don't know I went over to the Are we circle. ready to segue to We should tell the Fox Comic Con first and then tell this story. Oh, yeah. There, there's a reason for this, though. And okay. so uh, I went over to the circle and I found the girl. And I'm like, dude, this girl looks just like Akiko, the character and in the book. And she was, what, 14, you said at that time? No, she was like 17. 17. But anyway, the, my point is she looked so much like the character in the book. And... Uh, probably freaked out but i was like i'm saving you from the circle and i brought her over to our booth and i was just like look you look just like the girl in, in the story um and, and like right off the bat i was like they gave me an idea i was like no none of the independent comic book creators have mm -hmm. the character that they're working on with them and i thought how cool would that be if we had our character with us now at the time we only had book one finished so the whole image uh, the symbol of akiko is her with the white bloody hoodie we weren't even there yet but that's where my brain was at I was like this girl dressing like that we do some pictures we do some promo images with her we had talked to her mom talked to her she was totally cool about it she was like on board, I did a couple promo images and that's when we stopped working on the book altogether. She had moved to Florida in the meantime. So when we were ready to do book two at that, that one comic book convention we did, she wasn't even living in, uh, in St. Louis. And so it was kind of like, ah, that sucks. We lost our Akiko. Well, when, 
this year when we were going to do the comic, when we were going to do the Fox show, Albert with the comic and everything, I, I had found out that uh, Cheyenne, that's her name, had just moved back to St. Louis. So it's kind of like all mm-hmm. of these things falling into place where I'm like, hey, our Akiko is back. Oh, so you were seeing all your synchronicities. Right. I'm going, okay, here's this, here's this, here's this. This is like a sign that it's like, we got to get back into this. And so we did. We did the uh, the Fox High School show. And yeah, let's talk. I want to talk about that Fox High School right. show from my point of view because I was still very busy. And you had to- told me about that. And I'm like, I don't have a good excuse not to do right. it. I have a lot of really lame excuses that are legitimate, right. but they're lame not to do it. And I was tired and everything. And it felt like, I mean, to go into wrestling parlance or MMA parlance or boxing parlance, uh, dude, I really felt like I was knocking the ring rest off there. Yes. I was a total yes. fucking <laughs> But that was, that was the point of it. That was the point. Yeah. I figured we do this little one, not... not but I a, had tons of ideas. Yes. I'm just like, I haven't done that application layer like right. we talked about. I haven't had to apply all my new knowledge, all my new wisdom. I'm just standing here, I'm kind of like, eh. And I remember like getting super distracted by a fight with my wife about the car keys. <laughs> and I'm like, normally if I was in the zone, I wouldn't get distracted by something like that and i'm just like oh i i I felt very groggy during that i don't know how you felt it was what it it, but that was the purpose i thought if we go and do this ended up hindsight serving a great purpose so that kind of builds us up to our next real where we came out of the gate and fucking just started killing it (laughs) i mean i i'm not trying to be egotistical no it's true after knocking that ring rust off, so we did this local high school show, knock the ring rust off, and then go ahead and tell the story from from there, how, we, from we just, your booking perspective. And all everything. right, so we decided that with uh, with the Fox High School thing, and, and to focus on that show just for a second. Uh, originally, I thought we're not even going to sell any books. It's a yeah, very think, violent. Book. I thought we were just going to meet and greet. And and since we've already said spoiler alert, there is a school shooting in in the second book. We thought we would show up, maybe have some some art to show to them, but we would just be there to talk to fans, uh, kind of go over our pitch. Again, it was like a dress rehearsal, and. Uh, Instead, we decided to bring the books with us, and we wound up selling quite a few while we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said, "Okay, let's just come right out of the gates." Then, Wizard World St. Louis was um, just a couple months after that, and it's like, "Hey, let's let's go right in. Let's do Wizard World. Let's see how we do. Let's do a Kickstarter again. This time, we're going to actually put some effort into it. Let's do a Kickstarter to help cover our our show cost. Let's use a Kickstarter to to get more books printed up. Let's do some new covers. Let's make the covers look better. Let's use Cheyenne as as the model Was for the it. Ki- did the Kickstarter wrap up before Wizard World? Yes, and, and right. we were going to use that to do our next print run of comics. What we That's had right. learned from our previous experience with with all the stuff on the original comic well, cast. Can and, I pause for a second? Yeah. So I will say to my credit is that I had approached that original Kickstarter when we quote unquote failed. I had approached that as a test case. Right. At that time, clearly I did not put in the effort. So it was a huge failure on my part. I'm not saying it wasn't a failure, but also on a higher level, I really did approach it as a test case. Like I was like, I don't even know what we should be shooting for. Right. And so I just picked a round number, 10 grand. And I was like, we'll fail. And then we'll know what our real number is. Not to say that the real number that we ended up hitting was a result of that failure because I didn't try. Right. Um, 
but that I think that was not a bad approach because we, you had a dollar figure in mind that was more modest. Right. The next Kickstarter. So we did the Kickstarter, but the cool thing was what I learned about how the mind works from becoming a teacher and what I learned about writing really helped. It did. Like the transformation really helped. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wasn't super engaged in promoting it, but I was laser focused in every time I did promote it. Right. And you promoted the hell out of it, too. We uh, it wasn't just like guerrilla marketing this time. We were specific with it. And the stuff that you did was very, very targeted. And uh, you did a great job of using very smart selling tactics Mm -hmm. very smart selling tactics and it worked so uh we actually wound up at 118 percent funded we had our goal and we were able to print a huge print run of books we we completely reprinted book one with uh with a new binding that looks so much better and i oh new covers don't forget about that i had drawn covers for both of them that were brand new they were updated they look so much better and and we had used our our model this time of cheyenne so it, it actually looked like her so when people came to the show she was dressed like a Kiko, and she looked like the character and on the book cover. They could do a double take. They would which, like look down at the cover and look at her, and it was like, "Oh shit!" Which was all part of the marketing yeah. plan. Um, and so we did. We said, "Let's go full board." We did the Kickstarter. We were successful at that. We got funded. We did a print run. So we were ready for <laughs> Wizard World and, coming and, back, and this time with a smarter business mind. So this time around, my thought was, we need to. Uh, create an awesome experience for the fans. We had a backdrop. We had our character. Um, I had learned from previous experiment or experience that I intimidate a lot of people. And so I thought I need a bit of a gimmick. That was perfect. And uh, so t- the idea was that our booth was themed to look Asian, to look almost like a... We, it was kind of an idea we had back in the day. We just never... We never executed it. And this time yeah. we did. And uh, But yeah, to sort of go with that theme, I bought a big like Raiden from Mortal Kombat, like an Asian fisherman's hat. Because so Sam's look- a huge like bodybuilder dude. And most comic fans are kind of string beanie no offense to any i'm i'm a little string beanie (laughs) so but they really do get intimidated sam that was a brilliant idea to like make yourself look goofy right it was disarming and and that way i can sit there and i can sketch and i can talk whenever needed but uh it, it makes them less fearful to come to the table which is important because it was you've been so good at this but at wizard world it's like i was watching a master at his craft (laughs) at the top of his game (laughs) can i say something about that yes so you can thank the black kids for that (laughs) let's just be honest and uh so i'll tell you so the story of becoming a teacher you do a lot of theoretical shit you know and then you actually get the thing that people don't understand about teaching is you're a performer. It's a performance yes, arts. Yes. It, it It is not uh, like most jobs. It is a performing job, like stand-up mm-hmm. comedian or stage actor or something like that. And you, you talk, you listen to comedians podcasts and they talk about going into all black rooms. Right. And the only reason they ever say that is because it's a hostile crowd. <laughs> like they don't want to hear about what you want to say. Unless you put it in their terms. Mm-hmm. And so I had a very difficult time starting out at the beginning of the school year. I was like, I have everything they need, but I don't have a presentation layer to put it across. And the thing that I got into, this sounds so fucking stupid. <laughs> 
but it works. Like this is a whole nother podcast. My new worldview. Mm-hmm. Like I, this is actually a beer versus evil episode. Like I have a, I have a three point worldview now. What I'm about to talk about is the last point on my three point worldview. Okay. So I'm going into a hostile territory with these kids and I'm like, dude, they, they love cell phones. They don't give a shit about me. They're middle schoolers. They're horny. They, you know, they want to play video games. They everything except learn English right. language arts. <laughs> How do I reach them? And the answer I found was magic. <laughs> It sounds silly. Now, what I'm about to say is that, uh, so I studied psychology, becoming a teacher, both in my courses and a ton out of my courses because I found out I love it. Right. Right. So I, for every hour I spent studying my courses, I probably spent two hours studying the exact same thing, but different ideas outside of it. And what I came to the conclusion of right around the time I started teaching was magicians and hypnotists and stage performers and salesmen know way more about practical psychology Mm -hmm. than 98% of the population, including psychologists. I agree. And I had never come across that worldview before. And so I was like, oh, dude, if you want to stand up in front of a room of people and get them to pay attention to specific things, why not study magicians? Why not study hypnotists? Why not study, you know, actors that can captivate a crowd? Why not study the guy that you go to the car uh, sales lot and you just want to browse models? And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, shit, I just bought a fucking $30,000 car. Right. (laughs) I had no intention of doing that. What happened? Right. And so I started reading books and I started, I started even playing with playing cards Mm -hmm. and, and also I showed you guys some magic tricks tricks. and stuff. This was all teaching me the psychology of attention. And so I had built up this thing to try to survive in an inner city school to try to not get these black kids to tear me apart. And then it just so happened when I went to wizard world, that was the exact toolkit I needed to be like, Boom! It I you know, I can get your attention. Come over here. I perfect. know exactly how how to keep you here. I can captivate you. I can make my point. I want you to focus on. And I'm not an expert yet, but I'm on the path to expertise. In and it's a path I didn't even know existed. And it was a real fun playground. Yeah, it was a world. It was amazing. And like I said, you were you've always you've been good at it. And all the uh, show- canvassing. I used to be a canvasser, house to house. You, you've always guy. been a good salesman. When we did the the previous shows, um, you know, you were getting really good at your pitch and at drawing people in, and and that's why I thought of like doing the fisherman's hat and all that. Was I even noticed in the past? You do a good job of bringing them in, but if I'm scaring them, or sometimes you might have a good pitch, but I'm still scaring them from coming over. <laughs> right. But this show, it's like. I didn't want that to be an issue, but I had no idea that you were going to show up and be the fucking greatest salesman ever. <laughs> so that was Friday. So that was the Friday. So, so it was a, a three well, day con, but I want to, I want to set up the fact that it was Friday for a reason. So it was Friday. And I remember telling you, I was like, I'm loopy tired. Yes. Like I didn't sleep the night before for some reason. And I was said, I'm loopy tired, but 
maybe being in that semi-dream space helped me. I think it did. <laughs> I think it took <laughs> some of your inhibitions away. Um, now, like we did the Kickstarter. We did the Kickstarter to have a certain print run of books. Now, we knew we were going to be doing two shows within two weeks of each other. We had Wizard World planned, and then we were going to do a show in Columbia, Missouri, mm -hmm. two and weeks we'll after that. that. So we we had a certain number of books printed up, and we got a lot printed up. And we thought, okay, we're going to have this many set aside for Wizard World. That'll allow us to have, you know, this smaller print run to take to Columbia because it's going to be a smaller show. And then that's it. We got to sell what we can. And so we took the amount we had set aside for Wizard World with us. And uh, by Saturday, day two, we had sold out of books and we had two hours to go on Saturday where we had no books left. To yeah, sell. there was actually a couple times and this is getting beyond the point I want to talk about. But there's a couple times where I I literally and was I throttled it down. Yeah, I was like, just because we have so many books and mm -hmm. Sam can only do so many sketches, I'm like, I literally just started kind of like having fun and just yes. talking to people and throw, not even trying to sell. Which I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, at that point, that but <laughs> yeah, consciously, I was like, I'm throttling it down. Yes. Like I could, I could just go in this mode the whole time and bring tons and tons yes. of people over, and it it felt very much like a flow state. You guys are familiar with flow yeah. states. Yeah. Yeah, it was very much a flow state. But the reason I wanted to kind of dial it back a minute was there was a whole nother dynamic that I don't think, because you were sketching, I don't think you experienced it on the same level I did. But on Friday, I was in that loopy state and it maybe helped me and I was getting my bearings right. and fucking killing it. But Saturday, I got some sleep. I woke up and then we had our daughter with us yes we haven't even talked about our daughter <laughs> <laughs> that was it was super weird for me because i'm because i'm a little bit like i want to hang out with my friend i don't want extra social obligations right? so a normal extra person just equals extra social obligations especially a stranger and let's face it, Cheyenne to me was completely a stranger. She was, and that's that was what felt weird about it is for like an hour. We uh so it was day two that we had our Akiko model Cheyenne with us. And, and we had to pick her up in the morning where I'm just like not me, you know, I'm not I'm not in any kind of flow. And so even though we met her whenever it was five years ago at the first Wizard World. Oh, that makes it and, way creepier, and we, actually. And, <laughs> that makes it more socially awkward. It's, it's a weird thing in that. Uh, and, and I probably had more interaction with you with her than you did. So it's like, uh, I, I felt like I knew her from social media, yeah, but I, I had never met Cheyenne outside of that first Wizard World. I had never talked to her in person. It was just like, uh, you know, social media stuff a little bit here and there. And then just talking to her and saying, here comes the show. I, I felt like I knew her. The weird thing was I felt like I knew her as a Kiko because she does look so much like the character. And for these last five years, I've been basing the look of the character off of mm -hmm. her face. So, and now she's like 23. I think she said she was 23 now. And so it's like, here we have this. So she's a woman. We're not creeps. <laughs> right. But still like, <laughs> but she's, she's still a baby she, in, in personality wise. And like how she is, like she's oh, very similar yeah, yeah, to the yeah. character in the story. So mm -hmm. it was weird. It was like, she's a baby to me. It was like, dude, we have a Kiko with us. If, because we don't know <laughs> Shia the person. It was like, we had our daughter, a Kiko with us, because we think of that character. Like she's our child. It's so and strange so, because, well, also like, so you had had interactions with her. 
Now, me in pure creeper mode, when you had said she's going to be there, I'm like, okay, I'll take a brief glimpse at her yeah. profile on yeah. social media. And it says she's studying at Blah to become a teacher. Right. Now, all I, my new brain, my new social intelligence brain was like, oh, well, that's your in. Right. Like, you're going to bring that up within the first hour. And then let's see where it goes from there. And so I did bring it up within the first hour. And what came from there was I had a great time with her, mm -hmm. dude. I had so much fun. Not in a weird way, not in a, any kind of man-woman way. No, no. It totally in just a dad-daughter yeah. way. Or an, maybe an uncle-niece way. Had so much fun. I... You know, we drank some drinks together. Mm -hmm. We talked. We shot the shit. Right. We ended up talking about philosophy, going on smoke breaks. I mean, so here's what I wanted to say about that. I think she represented like this feminine energy yes. that neither one of us had. And she was also at her best. Yes. She was at, and maybe she was a shy girl. She wasn't a promoter. She was young. She hadn't done any of this. But just her femininity, I felt, was like the missing ingredient mm -hmm. that I needed to just hit the gas pedal. Yes. It, and that sounds so weird. Like, if she, even if she heard that, that would sound weird, I no, think. No, what was cool was she she kind of got that vibe right off the bat. Because when we said we were going to do, like, we're like, hey, let's take a picture because with Because there's the tons of girls that I could be like, oh, I don't fucking want to be around her. Yes. She's a bitch. <laughs> you know, but she was not. No, she, she was. She's been a fan of it. Like she, since we first met her when she was younger, she's she's been into this. She's been following the character. She thinks the character's awesome. She's wanted to do this for the last five years. What was cool was she showed up kind of with that mentality of. Um, oh, she was game. She, she, the whole she time. like that. She was going to learn from us. Um, when we said, "Hey, let's take a picture with our character," she even she goes, "Oh, me and my two dads." She actually <laughs> said it. So like, I don't she remember. had that mentality of like, okay, these are two guys that are. They're older than me, but you, I think she could tell that when we were her age, we were probably very similar to her yeah. mindset. Well, she does now, have a let's lot not of get that. a twist. We're still strangers. We don't really, really know her. But it's but it's, it's we getting were, better. No, no. What I was going to say in the moment, it didn't fucking matter. No, not at in all. In the moment, it felt like. Uh, I mean, she was. I don't even know how to put it. I just feel like she. I really don't even know how to put it. It's just like we gel. The three of us gel. Yes. Like it. It just came together. It came together, and she filled that spot of what we were wanting and expecting. Maybe even better. No, way better. Because the the other thing Cheyenne did that was so great, and and here's where we can compare is when when we did that one winter one day book when we came back and and we didn't do any more shows again after the failed Kickstarter, we did have a girl play the character at that show. Because Cheyenne was living in Florida and we wanted to have that Akiko model. We wanted to have that character with the bloody hoodie. And so I found another young girl named Savannah and she was doing Krav Maga. And, and so I thought, dude, she's half Asian. She's half American. She, she could fit that bill. She did it. And awesome for her to step up and, and do the character, go into something that was completely out of her element. But she just, you know, she just showed up. She took pictures with people. She just smiled and looked all cutesy. And it's like, that's not really we she wanted was very the character. Boring, yeah. she, and but I no mean that's that's to her. You know that that's what she was there for though. We we wanted in. we wanted someone to cosplay the character and take photos, you know, and she did that end. 
even though we always wanted Cheyenne to do it, we she wasn't around, so we had this girl do it. And and so to that end, she did what we wanted her to. She just didn't really play it up. Fast forward to Cheyenne at Wizard World. Not only did she embody the character, dude, she was helping sell. She, she was, was helping sell. She was going and... around promoting. She was going throughout the event, handing out the little flyers we had and playing the character. And then when people came over, she would talk to them and actually help with selling the book. So she went beyond just cosplaying and, for the character. And I also think that she served this kind of foil for my energy. Like I said, like she had this different energy. So as a foil... Um, Here's two examples. She's so she's a little socially awkward. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting that because all I had seen was social media images, right. and she's beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, she's probably a stuck up, you know, uh, full of herself. I can get any guy I want. Kind of attitude for a young girl. Not at all. Nope. So when I saw her being socially awkward, I just thought, as a man who's 13 or some odd years older i was like oh how sweet and innocent right you know like i have this different vantage point just from me being a little older and i was like oh i can i can coach her through some of this social anxiety because i was that exact same yeah. way at her age mm-hmm. so there was that dynamic which was fun as a teacher yes but here's the other thing as a parent there were some situations where guys were being a little weird with yeah. her, like being a little creepy with her. Now, if I was a bro, if I was a white knight, you know, mm-hmm. I would be like, oh, get away from here. Right. Like if I was trying to fuck her, you know yes. what I mean? But I wasn't. I was her uncle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when I saw that, I'm like, I bet she's got this. If she doesn't got yeah. this, I'll be right uh-huh. here. I will be right here ready to spring. But I'm not springing because she's got this. Right. Because she's awesome. Because right. she's 23 years old and she's got this. Uh-huh. Oh, at one And point. so there, there was all these vicissitudes, you know, and these oscillations. Um, and it was a very dynamic, uh, energy, energetic kind of thing going on, which I we would never have experienced if it was just the two of us hanging out. Oh, definitely. And, and then we just, had even established with her after a few creepy ones, like, Hey, look, if things get too crazy, let's have a safe word. Yeah. <laughs> or something. And but, this probably sounds creepy. Us talking about her in the third person like this, but it's part of the experience. I mean, mm-hmm. she, and, and it's high praise for sure for her personality. For sure. She, and, I, I would totally go to another show with her and hang out with her again which we did which we did but she was not <laughs> she, she was sick she, so. she was out of it that one but that we'll actually cover that but uh wizard world this year we went in we sold out of books by the second day we had to go into yeah our we columbia. sold out on saturday wasn't we it? had to go into our columbia inventory for day three which we sold another shit ton of books at and uh i mean wizard world this okay. year was a it, it was a great experience. Let me tell you something that was funny when I, re- I listened back to HeroesCon. So uh-huh. we had our HeroesCon recap. And if you go back and listen to that, there's a part where you and I giddily say, dude, at w- it was slow at this one point of the day. And then we were drowning. Oh. <laughs> and we had like, we were backed up. We had like seven books yeah. backed up. <laughs> and you know what's so awesome about that? There was no slow moment. Nope. 
on any Wizard World day, and easily we exceeded being backed up by seven yes. books probably the entire time. We reached a point where we were telling we people... We had to tell people to go away almost, or we'd mail we it to We would them. mail it to them, and I wound yeah. up having seven books that I had to finish at home and mail off. Also, seven books just to mail home, and we were worried at Heroes Con yes. of having seven books exactly. on the table. I had seven yeah. I had to take home because we were just out of time. We were telling people, look, if you buy one and want the sketch, uh, give us our address and what you want. I'm going to have to ship it to you. Dude, um, uh, Tim, you're sitting here as an outside observer. I don't know what you think, mm-hmm. but let me drop this phrase and then see what you have to say about it. We are not stroking our own cocks we were looking back at our past selves versus not we do we're killing it wow what do you think that's impressive i mean how any uh, questions any outside um, observances well since i wasn't there to observe the uh, that's what i'm saying so outside observances i feel like there's a lot that you've covered with this so far I have we glossed over anything uh i mean you went into you guys went into great detail about how you've upped your game what mm-hmm. you've learned in order to sell so um i would i would ask like, well i wouldn't say we've gone into great detail i say we've uh gone into the gist for the first wizard's world and the first uh i guess uh what was the name of that one what was our first convention project comic project, project comic Con. sorry we sold what we would consider a decent amount of books at those first conventions. So, I mean, so, so here's the way to imagine it. Constant sales. Okay. Almost no one said no. All right. Percentage uh, increase of sales? I'm saying almost no one right. said no. So okay. anybody I talked to or called over to the table, almost no one said yes. no. Almost everybody came mm-hmm. out of their pocket. Yep. Okay. And, and if they didn't buy it on the spot, they came back later before they left and bought a copy. Yeah, okay. like cool. I... I, the clo- I don't, that closing rate had to be like... <laughs> it's not an exaggeration. 95%. It was ridiculous. Closing rate's a good way to put it. Yeah. And something to keep in mind. And, and I say this amazed myself. When when we did all the previous comic book shows on the Show Me Comic Cast earlier before we stopped, we were selling one book. We had book one and it was like ten bucks. I think we were given a dollar oh, off if they liked yeah, our website. Every close we're talking about now is two books. We were selling bucks. both books at twenty five bucks a pop. So everybody was almost everyone was buying both books together. And still you and you probably came in with more inventory that you did oh, yeah. at the first ones. Yeah. Like if 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 you if we were talking mm-hmm. as a package right. as yeah, yeah, but clo- I think closing rate is the right way to think about it. Yeah, closing. Ra- that was the part that blew me. I think I texted you. I'm like, it was either the first or second mm-hmm. night. I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Almost nobody said no. Exactly. I was like, I don't, I don't even know how to process this. I don't, I don't know how to understand this. Like, except as positive feedback, mm-hmm. you know. But I don't. I was not expecting this. And so now I have to process this unexpected thing that almost nobody said no. Right. And and I think we, on day three, we had talked about, we have a perfect storm here and that we have a product that's good quality. Again, I'm not the greatest artist in the world. I'm not the, I, dude, this but, was written six years ago, but I'm definitely still wasn't the greatest it's, writer. Back it's then. not the greatest in the world, but it's not bad either. And compared to a lot of independent artists and writers, it's really good. So we have a good product. When people come to the shows, you do such a great job of drawing them in, giving them the pitch, explaining what the story is without getting too complex or too far into detail. On top of that, they get a sketch 
they hang out with us. That's they a have a point. great yeah. experience. They have an awesome experience. So when you combine all those things with a good product, a great experience, an awesome sell, what is there to say no to? It's the old saying, these things sell themselves. And <laughs> the the backup and the confidence that is, if it sucked, they wouldn't come back to the booth. Or they would tell somebody else, dude, that was shit. Don't, don't go yeah. buy their book. But instead, they come back the next day and go, hey, I read well, it. Where's can, book three? <laughs> can, can you say something about that? Actually, I think that's a bridge to maybe take us out. We, I don't even think well, we need to talk to about Columbia, but the whole impetus of this whole episode was a post that Tim saw, and he was like, wait a minute, I know the owner of that comic shop. No, can you kinda, can, I do hmm. want to talk about Columbia for just oh, a okay. second. There All was right. something that happened in Columbia that, that well, blew me away. So, so we, uh, we, we knew we were going to have another show two weeks after Wizard World. It was in Columbia, Missouri, so we knew we were going into a college town. It was at a brewery, so it was cool. It was, it was going to be but different. But it was very small. It was a one-day show. It was in a smaller venue, and when we got there, I think we were a little... I don't want to say disappointed, but I think we were like so used to the scale of Wizard World that going into a smaller event, we I thought, didn't Ooh. expect much. The I idea was this much. is going to be a slow day. Um, we had bought our, we had brought our, uh, our remaining inventory. Now keep in mind we had to have a few set aside for the Kickstarter because all of those people get the book. Right. So we had we had brought in our, our remaining inventory to Columbia, and when, when, we, got when there, we pulled up, I thought I'm like, oh, we're going to have a lot of downtime. Yes, we thought this is going to be a slow day, not just because oh, we're not going to sell the book. Like we did not think that many people would even show up, um, and we had a, a Kiko Cheyenne, and, and I would have to say, at that point, Wizard World was not. It could have been a fluke. It could have been I was manic. It could have been you were manic. It could have been we just had the right flow of people. It right, could have been we right. just. It could have been a fluke. We, so in that point, Columbia was important. Right, and uh, the the funny thing was they had a setup. They had like three other professionals there, and the one big name. <laughs> the one big name. He this was is a. a good point. Uh, he wasn't. He wasn't an artist for Marvel or DC. He wasn't a writer. He wasn't. He was a fucking inker. Okay, he but was an inker. Still, he had the cred. But he worked four years for Marvel and DC. Your mom's a tracer. And he tracing was, he other was people's catty work. cornered. He was catty cornered with us. And uh, if it wasn't for one thing that happened, I wouldn't be speaking so. It sounds Flip negative. Those. It sounds negative. But if you you wouldn't be so arrogant if he hadn't. If he had a different attitude. So what yeah, happened was they was set us shit. up in the corner to where there, was, there were some pro artists and he can was I supposed pause to be the for name. A second? Yeah. Because. That's a part of my MO now. I want to be friends with yes. everybody. Yes. Everybody. The more people I'm friends with, the better it is for them, for me, for this. But you started that the very first show we did at Project Comic Con. Jordan mm -hmm. goes, Man, let's meet the people. Let's get to know them. Let's buy some of their books. Let's be friendly. Let's oh, I network. always buy merch and, from people. And it was awesome because what I learned that very first show we did was many of the many of the local artists they said oh you'll be lucky if you sell anything it's all about the experience and at all these shows we've done as we sell books and we watch others not sell um i don't want to say they tend to get jealous but you can tell they get a they little did, frustrated they get envious and it helps to be their friends it helps to already be on their side and so yeah because then you get mitt Freuda versus Schadenfreude. And, and that's where our experience has been coming in is hey get to the shows and meet people Mm -hmm. Even if they're not your cup of tea, meet them, become friends. It's not a zero sum game. So when we got to Columbia, 
I was like, hey, let's go around. Let's meet this guy. Let's meet the inker guy from Marvel and DC. And we shook his hand and we met some of the artists. Well, Dude, the- we should just say something about the gay pirates. <laughs> that, that's a whole other podcast. All right, all right, if we could get on. those guys on the show, that would be oh, incredible. That would be. Uh... But at, at Columbia, um, it took a few hours for Cheyenne to get there. She was really sick that day. But what was cool is when she got there, I went outside to meet her and I'm telling her, Shy, this is a, it's a smaller show. There's not going to be as many cosplayers here, but you know what? It's, it's an experience. I walk in and there's already like six people around our table. Nobody is at anybody else's booth. They're like piled around ours. And I was like, oh yeah, that's been going on all day. And, mm-hmm. and it actually so the, became a problem. It got to where there were so many people at our table. Um, it was hard to make sales. It was hard to get attention because people were just standing around. Because if you're going to be everybody's friend, you can't say, all right, move along. Yes. And, uh, but it was really neat to see that at this small show, like these people were piled around our table, but they were not at the other professionals booths. And you could look over and see like the professional anchor, um, how frustrated he was getting. Some of the other ones were being pretty cool. I remember at one point there was a guy doing, um, he was doing prints or something. He came over and he goes, I want to see what all the attention's about or something. Uh, well, anyway, to, to get to the story I want to tell. Um, one of the, one of the guys that bought the book from us remembered us from a couple years ago and, uh, he bought the book and then he also bought a justice league comic book with a blank cover. And he stood there forever. He was there for a long time, but he had bought this, this justice league book. It had a blank cover to it. And he said, Hey, instead of, instead of drawing a sketch inside of my book, I, that I bought, he goes, I'm going to go around and get some of the artists here to draw on this cover. Would you draw a character for me? I was like, yeah, sure. And so he goes over to the professional inker. And the inker draws Blue Beetle or whatever. And I'm like, that ain't even that good. And so he brings it over to me, and Jordan and I are looking at it. And I was like, dude, I'm going to draw right in the middle mm, next to his. perfect, yeah. And I drew I Booster this. Gold. I drew <laughs> Booster dude, Gold. And if you could see this cover, it looked like high school graduate versus college graduate. Like okay. Sam's drawing. Just to give some kind of perspective right. you know Pers- just a, some kind of uh a gap but then and and i think i'm sure the tracer could have done a really good drawing but i think he wasn't taking it that seriously i think he wasn't was like, and he didn't ah, have i get paid blah, 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 he didn't blah, blah, have anybody blah. else's work to trace over yeah well, that <laughs> but either way what what got me was jordan heard uh heard late, him say something right later on the the guy that bought the book took it back over there and he goes, so the guy that bought the book goes, hey, I got your thing. And, and look at this cool neck. The guy was just excited that he got two things. Mm-hmm. So he was showing the other guy the thing. And he goes, huh, hmm, yep, it's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> and I had saw, I had seen it. And I was like, it's clearly better. So that guy saying that was way disingenuous. Yes. Which means envy or jealousy right. or frustration with his own... It didn't even have to be jealousy. It just could be like, oh, shit, yeah, I, I, I just dashed off some piece of shit for right. that guy. And But instead of me saying that or recognizing that, I'm just, I'm going to denigrate this other guy. And it's like, well, that's pretty shitty. Yeah, that's real shitty. Sure. And it wasn't like we had any interaction before that besides shaking his hand and saying, how are you? It's not like we were over there talking shit about this guy. Um, yeah. In so- fact, we were magnanimous that's the goal of every con we're magnanimous to everybody I mean if you've got gay pirates selling yes. semen porn next to us we buy their books yes yes <laughs> was it good but 
Uh, I gave it to an human. It <laughs> okay. was. Well, we talked about giving people an experience, those oh. parrot pirates. <laughs> Dude, I, I really, this is going to sound weird, but I really admire yes, them. Yes, I do too. They were fully committed. I told you, I was like, Dude, you got to see these guys. Oh, They're it was, fucking awesome. It was incredible. That was Wizard World, though. So the thing that I will say as a, I guess maybe when I, if we ever do another one shot again, I, mm-hmm. I should consider myself maybe writer slash salesman. Yes. I don't sell anything in any, any other aspect of my life except knowledge in the classroom every day. So I kind of am a salesman. Like yes. o- almost five days a week, I'm a salesman, but I got to sell this really weird product to this, to this fucking audience that doesn't want it. Um, but Columbia really, like I started this in Wizard World, but Columbia really gave me the chance to capitalize off all my experience in Wizard World. Yes. And this is stuff that I gained from psychology and from reading books, and that was names. Yeah. Yeah. I have a strategy for learning people's names and I can learn like a hundred people's names in a day. And what was cool about Columbia, it was really small. So these people would walk around the circuit and be like, Hey James. Yes. You know, how's it going? And psychology has proved like, dude, just by using somebody's personal name instead of saying, Hey dude, yeah, like dude, they're in you, you kind of half got them. The fun. <laughs> go ahead. The fun. Sam is an outside what's, observer because I don't want to toot my own horn, but what's, so you what's go fun ahead and is talk about it. We're we're to the point at the shows now that we sell so many books. I'm doing so many sketches that I I get to you don't talk to anybody, I get to really. listen to you while I'm drawing, and that's always been a great distraction. It's almost like I'm getting to hear a podcast while we're there, as I listen to you talk and sell while I'm down here doing the sketches in the book. And either you will tell me there's a technique that you're going to work on, or I will notice after a few, I'm like, oh, that's deliberate practice. I know that's what he's doing now, and do I'll that, listen yeah. for that each one. I'll hear yeah. that, oh, hey, and what was your name again? Yeah. Oh, and what was your name? Oh, what are you into? And I'm no, like, I oh, I know what he's doing. <laughs> well, here's here's the thing that's really interesting about it, and only fucking mnemonic nerds would care about this, but here's an example. So my school is split into two teams. So I know all my kids because they're on my roster. And then there's another team in seventh grade that has another group of kids that I don't have to give a fuck about. Like, they, they, they're not in my class. Uh-huh. But I make the effort because I know that if I know your name, if you have some kind of misbehavior in the hall and I can say your name instead of, hey, you. Right. Dude, it's way more powerful. So here's an example. There's a very short girl, a very cute girl, but a very compact girl. Here's her name, Latoya. Now, how will you remember that? Do you have a strategy, Tim? Um, short Latoya. <laughs> toy. Oh, okay. She's short and compact like a toy. That's the cheat. Mm-hmm. That's the cheat. You think about something you already know, something about her. You make it visual. You make it concrete. Dude, I only had to do that once. I can see Latoya's face in my head right now. Mm-hmm. And I only heard her name once. That's a good technique. Yeah, usually what I do is I try to come up with a nickname for him. And then I append their actual okay. name to the nickname. Let me, tell, let me tell you this. You have a friend from work or ex-work. He's maybe a tad bit shorter than you. Mm-hmm. Has whitish hair. You could say it's silvery if you were being generous. His name is Mike. 
He was at the Christmas party? Mm-hmm. Santa Mike? How the fuck do I remember that? <laughs> because I have a system. Okay. Do you know why? Sure. I just uh, pictured him. He kind of looks like a game show host. He's got that good-looking guy vibe. And uh, if he's a game show host, what does he have to hold? A mic. Boom. There you go. Done. Yeah, but you go further than names. No, 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 no. You have this crazy ability. But that's the start. That's the start. So I have these systems in my head now where I do that. But go ahead. Say about the crazy ability. Okay, that's one thing for names where you have an insane ability to not only remember their names, but their interest in what they're into. You have mm-hmm. a way to correlate that to the comic book and remember it. And what I, here's an example that this always blows me away is at the shows, you'll find out their name and then you'll ask them, Oh, so what kind of books are you into now? Usually they'll be wearing shirts that give an example, a Deadpool, yep. a Batman, whatever. And you can say, Oh, are you, you're into Batman. Oh, well, our character is kind of like Batman. She doesn't have power. She learned blah, blah, blah. Or if they're into Deadpool, maybe the over-the-top violence. If you'll find a way to take whatever it is that they're interested in, and you will tie that back to the book, like the one that got me. Um, somebody, somebody came to the table, and you're like, "Oh, you know what kind of things are you into?" Or you, in, you I forgot their shirt was something, and they were, they were like, they, yeah. "No, I don't think they had that." It was like a comic book shirt. You're like, "Oh, you're into that?" And they were like, "No, I'm actually into D and D." And you go. Oh yeah, you know Sam grew up the comic book fan, but I grew up, you know, I was the one in the D yeah, and you go, you're like, our comic book actually, had, and I was, I'm ahead, I'm drawing, and I was like, how the fuck is he gonna tie this to the comic book? What the fuck does he mean D and D? And then he goes, there's parts where she's developing her skills and her attributes and her hit points, and I'm thinking about the training montage. And I was like, that's beautiful, but somebody could come to the booth and tell you that they're into whatever, and then they go walking off, and then maybe. Maybe 45 minutes later, they'll be walking back around and you'll be like, oh, hey, Scott, uh, did you find any books on now D&D? The, <laughs> now, now the hey, Scott, that part is active and on yes, purpose. Yes, but you'll even remember what it was they were into. Yeah, and that is me being a, as a teacher. A, now, they don't teach you this actually in teacher training, but it was my two plus hours extra of yes. studying psychology and stuff. There's like, dude, if I... I, I couldn't enter a memory competition and win. But if I had to say this easily now, after my two and a half year transformation, I'm a memory expert. Yeah. If you took me and 98% of the population, I'm in the 2%. Yes. I know how memory works. I'm a memory expert. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I can program myself to do yeah. that. You know. But there's another thing that I was just thinking about as you said that, like... Maybe this goes back to just who I am, but I yeah. do, I do have a creative like connect this with this. That's just part of me, like stripes on my tail, so you call my pussy Tigger, like, <laughs> <laughs> which is a part of the Columbia story. But I can just like in the moment, like if you throw that at me, yes. okay, give me five seconds, I will connect that to English literature. Right. Just give me five seconds. I also think knowing you as long as I have, what helps is that you're also a conversationalist. And I think that you do have an inherent interest in people. So if somebody is telling you, my name is Scott, I'm into D and D. I like this. My favorite color is blue. You really do like learning. I think that's why you're such a good teacher, but you like to learn and you like to learn about people. That's what psychology is. 
And so it's which not, is why I have a sense of fulfillment now. Exactly, that I didn't it's not a fake before. thing. And yeah. so if you're if you're somebody that bought the book and you've met us at the shows, the point with this isn't that Jordan knows a lot of scales or a lot of sales skills to trick you. He genuinely is interested in people. So if you've come to a show and you've told him that you're into Deadpool and your name is Susie and you like anime, blah blah blah, he's going to remember that not just because he's extremely intelligent. You actually have a fascination and an interest in people. Which is why I think I enjoy being a teacher, which yes. is why I took a 50% pay cut yeah. to become a teacher. Um, I'm going to take the compliment humbly and <laughs> and give like an affirmative check mark to it because I lost my thought. Cut that. <laughs> you love me. our fans. That's all you no, no, no. Oh, no. Here it is. Here it is. So please cut that lost my thought part out. All right. Here. If they come up and I think a kid is too young, I go how old are you? And they'll tell me their age. And I go, have you re- watched a rated R movie? Yeah. And if they say no, I do not try to sell them. Nope. I do not employ the weaponry that I know could. But you'll sell it you to know. their parent. <laughs> I w- if they're interested. But I, I do make that distinction. And I talk to the parents all the time. I go, hey, look, you know, has your kid ever watched a rated R movie? No. Okay. Th- this isn't right. for you. Here's a free coloring sheet. Yes. You know, uh, move along. Because I really do care about, yes, you know, their experience. So it's not predatory. So was Columbia the last, uh, the last show you guys? That's did? the, the, la- that's the one, last yeah. show that we've done, and it was, uh, it was, it was a fun, fun convention, and and um, a fun afterwards, <laughs> very so, fun afterwards. Um, and we sold. Here's the thing about Columbia: not only were we still busy, there was no downtime. We went the entire, however, That's seven hours. What of I that meant show. by nobody says, or almost nobody says no, mm-hmm. which translates to Sam has no downtime. I have no downtime. Yes, actually, I have to rev it back. So a small show where there was not like a huge. You know what though? That was a fun show. Eric Eric Meyer that puts these shows together does a Shout tremendous out. job at putting his shows on. They are fun. That was a cool venue, but it wasn't like super cool. Venue. It wasn't that it was a huge attendance. We just captured so many of the so much of the audience. It's an attention market. That's um, the thing is it, uh, when uh, it, uh, 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 <laughs> uh, under I never conceptualized it when we were ever selling it before as an attention market. I never conceptualized podcasts as an attention market, but once you understand at a mm-hmm. metal level, what you're talking about is an attention market. And why do you think I wear red skulls yeah. instead of white skulls <laughs> now? It's an attention market. It man. is. You fucking notice red skulls mm-hmm. way more. This we, is, cut this part. It won't so, translate. <laughs> I'm just talking to you, Tim. Sure. It's an attention market. I decided to switch from white skulls or blue skulls or whatever too you know and i'm gonna have a red bla- bracelet because i'm uh-huh. a teacher and i talk with my hands all the time and guess what it color captures your attention the best uh-huh. red it's an attention market so... and that shout out to the black kids they fuck because <laughs> you have to fight tooth and nail for attention in that attention market so... and it helped me so much it, it's about attention, and I'm gonna trans. I'm gonna transition that to something else that has to do with attention. But at uh, after Columbia, um, I, we were starting to get a little worried because we were selling so many books. We knew we still had a certain number that we needed to give out for the Kickstarter. So I started going, dude, we might not have enough books to give out for the Kickstarter. Right, and 
after Columbia, I got on Reddit and I posted a picture of Cheyenne with one, one of the, when people buy the book, Cheyenne takes a picture with them. I had posted a picture of Cheyenne with one of the girls that bought the books on Reddit. And Reddit is an attention market. Reddit's a huge attention market. And I knew that picture would capture attention. It was Cheyenne uh, in a bloody hoodie with a sword with another younger girl that with was a holding her book girl. Up. And people, yeah, and it was I, like, hey, you know, we sold a bunch of books at this local convention. We seem to have a huge female following. We got 2.5, yeah, it was two and a half thousand upvotes on that. A ton of response. We wound up selling 10 books online because of the reddit from post. one post then from that's one the post key. and since so then, that's scalable since then we're still getting orders like I, every every you few said days. texas yeah, yesterday got, or today a, a couple weeks ago somebody from the czech republic yeah somebody from the czech republic ordered the book online and then yesterday i got one from somebody in texas there was somebody from colorado a few weeks ago so and uh so we would expect fuck this is deep water i can't bring this up too much let's just say Hafu for us can always be a perennial seller. It's a good, right? It's a good story, but just to end this because it's a Show Me Comic Cast is this isn't all about Hafu. Nope. We got another thing in the in the kettle brewing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what, yeah. What can we talk about about uh, the future? Nothing. Of, oh, okay. Except well, for the title, I think. <laughs> I, and just to know that. So here's the problem with Hafu. Here's the problem, maybe with the graphic novel and a two man team up takes a much longer to draw it mm-hmm. than it does to write it however i think sam if uh, you thought about how long it took the incubation period in my mind for the idea it might be equal sure like sure. that plus the writing because the idea has to form first and then the writing and the editing and everything right. and then so it, it might be equal but yeah. you still definitely put a, a lot of sweat and blood into it probably more than i do um, but the problem with Hafu is it's old now. Mm-hmm. And I, we've spent so much of our lives. <laughs> All right, let's face mm-hmm. it. We were, I was in high school when the very first version of this book was done. We were in our very early twenties when we made our first attempt at it. This has been a story and a character that has been in our head for several years. It was our first big attempt. It is our baby. Akiko is like our daughter, but it's also something that we've, that well has Right. It, 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 it's a great. Well, it's our Mickey Mouse. It's the great. It's a great thing that has gotten attention, and we're building fans off it, and we'll continue to build fans say, off of it. But I think that character and that world, we've done as much with it as mm, we have left in us. I'd say it's dried up for now because what a lot of people know is I wrote a uh, third part to the trilogy as a novel. Now it's total shit, but it's a nugget of gold wrapped in shit. I know how now I can ex- I can extract that gold. I can make it into something. The problem is we, for our attention market as creators, we want something new. Yes, for and sure. And we have something new. And so I'll just say the title. A Candy Coated Future. That's the title. Wow. I won't say anything else. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. I've already <laughs> done too. some sketches on it. And that's what's neat is while we're going out and while... We have a very, very big uh, plan for touring this year and getting out there. Like, I mean, our, our big thing from a business perspective is Hafu. That's the finished product. We've got a fan base. Yeah, and like We're I said, it, Hafu's not going to stop being no, a good no. story. And it's finished. So we have that product. We have an awesome story. Now the thing is we don't have to be in the creative world of Hafu anymore. Now we're in the business world and the getting that out to mm-hmm. fans and distributing it. But while we're doing that, it's kind of like a band. 
we have our album, we have our big album, and we're out. We're we going can play tour with it, shows, yeah. But we're also in the, in studio, the studio, coming up with some Perfect. material and riffs for the for the new thing. Cool, and Perfect I cannot example. wait Perfect to uh, to get more of that done. But uh, the one story. Uh, so we, we, we've already started off this year. We've already done three shows. We're starting to get experience under our belts now. We are in a, quite a bit of a different place than we were when we did the original Show Me Comic cast. We're starting to become a little bit of seasoned vets here. <laughs> and uh, what, was, what was really cool was at, at these shows we've been doing, there are people from the past that come up and say, hey, I bought both oh, books. Oh, that's so killer, when, when is the third one coming out? When? It, when where can I get more of this? And we're like, well, that we don't have it. That ties us back to the person you so know that owns the comic shop. My, mm-hmm. my, uh, I got a buddy named Robert. Uh, we met him in high school, and he owns his own comic book shop. Robert Alt? <laughs> Robert Alt, I he might be dead. Um, but uh, Robert owns Dark Side Comics, and he messaged me a few weeks ago, and he's like, hey, dude, I had somebody come into the shop last week asking me where they can buy more Hafu books. That's so great, <laughs> dude. That's so crazy. And because that doesn't mean like we've made it. We haven't like sold our rights to Disney. But in a way, for us, dude, that, yes. f- that feels really good. Uh-huh. It feels that, like a, a little shot of that, heroin. That somebody bought our stuff and walked into a comic book store and Un- said, hey. Unprovoked. Right. And we 20, don't know who this person and is. We and there's like even, a 25, 30 mile difference. So it's yes. not like. Yeah. And we didn't tell them there was a Hafu 3. Right. Like, they just went in asking, hey, where can I get more of this hat? And Robert just, it, that's the coincidence. Robert's like, hey, I know those guys. I went to school with them. And then he messaged me. He went to school with us? Yeah. He went to Northwest. I didn't know that. He, he was the, a great the owner. Yeah, yeah. But not the customer. That's the key. Yeah, the, the customer, customer doesn't we don't know, even know who the fuck we are. Right. We don't know who they are. And. Dude, that is a really good feeling. Like, it, even if we just bask in it for five minutes, that's a really fucking good feeling. That's a because I'll go back to the sales pitch, the experience, all that is awesome, and that helps. But if the product sucks, it doesn't matter. But when people yeah. buy it and then go into a comic book store asking where to get more of that, that means they liked it. And in the three D world, yes, not the the online yes. social media. Yeah. A, a real person took their yes. beat their feet. So uh, to to start to wrap this up, uh, show me comic cast was all about the comic book journey. Here's where we are. Um, over the years, I, I've thought a lot about how like rock bands and professional wrestlers and people that are in the entertainment industry, and that's what we are. We're storytellers. We're we're entertainment. How they get out is they have to go tour. They have to do appearances. Mm-hmm. For us, that's comic book conventions. And so our goal this year is to start to get out, travel, and do some bigger shows, meet more people, and expand our, our network. That way they can go on social media and expand that even bigger. So... Uh, June 22nd and 23rd will be in St. Charles at the St. Louis Comic Con there. Um, after that, there's a show in mid-July that we're looking at in Atlanta. And then at the we'll end of there. August. I mean, 95% chance we'll be there. At, at the end of August is Wizard World in Chicago. There's another one in Nashville and Louisville. And then we're looking in uh, March for C2E2 in Emerald City. But here's the big one for me is way back when Jordan and I were in our early 20s, our very first attempt at trying to make a comic book, our first version of Hafu, we called it Ninjetti. It was a black and white book. If you go back and listen to Comic Cash, you'll hear us talk about this, but this is part of our like our journey. Uh, when we were in our early 20s, our first attempt at this was like a it was like a 50-page black and white book. And us being young and having egos, 
our plan was to print up 30 of these. And be naive. And very naive. And we were going to go to Wizard World Chicago back in, what, 2002 or 2003. It was the first big convention we'd ever went to. Yeah, we drove we out to Chicago. And we thought, dude, we're going to have Gierna. 30 of these. We were going to hand all of them out for free. And it had our email address at the back. And we we're like, hey, if you loved it, give us feedback. If you hated <laughs> like, it, give us feedback. All we got to do now is sit back and wait. So we, did, we went to Wizard World in Chicago and uh, handed out 30 of those books and nobody contacted no, us. No, that's not true. Sort of. If you go back to an old episode of Show Me Comic Cast, I tell the story of how I got a message on my answering machine. What? From Wizard's Edge. Oh. <laughs> Do you remember? Vaguely. It was like, I think I remember her name, Karen Evora. Yes. And I... Dude, I tell this story in the episode, but uh, we went there and we thought... We thought this is how the world works. Our shit's so fucking awesome. Yes. You just give it out for free and Hollywood or yes. Marvel or DC <laughs> is going to call us. Now, that would have been fine to just not get a call. Then we would have been like, oh shit, nobody liked our shit. But we got a call and it was from Wizard's Edge, which was the independent yes. publishing arm <laughs> I remember of us Wizard sneaking world. that into their stack. And... She, it turns out it was because I filled out one of their forms and she goes, this is Karen Evora from Wizard's Edge. And I like, I literally like fell on my knees like, yeah, it worked. We did it. And she goes, if you're interested in advertising yes. in, in Wizard's Edge, uh, give us a call. That's blah, right. Blah, blah, rates are this. And yeah, I'm like, Karen Evora, I remember that. And it was like, just as soon as the euphoria came, it was like, yep. <laughs> no, I think we actually had to call her back yeah. to get, oh, these are our yeah. sales rates. And it was like, <laughs> she's going to sell it. I there. think we were at your house, Tim. And uh, I go, dudes, dudes, I'm going to call her back. You guys ready? Because <laughs> your fucking whole life's about to change. Are you ready? So it will be poetic justice to go so back there. That That's what's cool about Wizard World this year is we're going back to the place where we had like our biggest defeat. And we were so stupid. But. And now we're smarter. There's still the, the, the big circle for me coming back is when we took that comic book out, that original one, the black and white one, we went around to comic book shops around the area. Oh, and she. Yes. And, and we, you know, nobody really knew what the hell we had. And we went to this one and this big fat comic book owner Sweaty. told us the reason that he wouldn't sell our, our book about the female ninja was she don't sell talking about the comic book. She. And so when that dude went to the Roberts comic book shop and was asking for us, that's the first thing I thought. I thought of that immediately was she don't sell. <laughs> well, it turns out she, does, she sell. does sell. And that guy's dead. That told us that. <laughs> He is dead, remember? Yep. <laughs> so he is dead and she does sell. So on that <laughs> note, you're... Tim Pickerel. I'm Sam Richardson. You can catch me on Instagram at Sam Richardson PT and check us out on Instagram at Show Me Comics. And I'm Jordan Taylor and you might as well just go to HafuComic.com if you're interested in this. Otherwise, just uh, enjoy your ear holes. <laughs>